The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Ladies and gentlemen, and anybody else who doesn't fit in either one of those categories, let me welcome you to the 102nd banquet of the annual meeting of the Kansas Association of the Blind and Visually Impaired. We are 102 years old, and uh, unfortunately, we finally don't have any charter members, but uh, we're continuing to survive and go on after all that time. I am your MC for this evening. I am the president of the Kansas Association of the Blind and Visually Impaired. Uh, my name is Michael Byington. I'm being assisted tonight by my lovely little wife, Anne, who uh, I, I've told people during this convention that I am windy, but she is the wind beneath my wings. She has really been incredibly helpful. She is a past president, by the way, and she knows about all of this stuff in, in most cases much better than I do. So I have uh, counted on her a lot, and I, uh, I, I love having... Uh, her to work with. Uh, we have an exciting program for you tonight with a uh, great banquet speaker and uh, then a great interview with one of our recent scholarship winners. But I am told that uh, the MC is supposed to do something entertaining to start out the program. Don't forget and, the hosts. Oh, I'm not. I'm about to go there. The thing that I think is most important to talk about when talking about entertaining is the fact that so many of you are attending this program because of our wonderful staff from ACB Radio. Okay. And we have three of them that I want to acknowledge here tonight. Our host for tonight is Cindy LeBon. You want to say hello, Cindy? Hello. And where are you hosting from? I live in Gaithersburg, Maryland. I have guiding eyes, guide dog Gardenia. She's right here with me. All right. So we've got Cindy and Gardenia from... Maryland that uh, will be your host tonight. Uh, our ACB media representative tonight is a lady whom I really enjoyed meeting at the convention in Omaha, Cecily Nipper. And you say hello, Cecily. Hello, folks. And then the deep and radio-oriented voiced gentleman, Mr. Joe Green, is our streamer. Yeah, uh, Cecily, where are you uh, uh, doing what you're doing from? Covington, Georgia, the Peach State. Oh, the Peach State. All right. So we've got Georgia and Maryland. And uh, where did Joe say he's? Uh, Joe's from California. So, well, but I heard him as we were getting ready to go on the air. And he has a wonderful radio voice. Does have a voice, yes. Yes, he does. He, he, I wish I had a voice like that that I could use all the time. But if I always talk down here in this range, my voice says, I want to be a little bit higher. As someone who is an ACB lifer, my parents were charter members of ACB. Uh, my parents occasionally came to an ACB convention when I was uh, uh, a child, and I got drugged with them to a few of them. Uh, and then I got involved with the organization when I was in high school. But then the few years uh, while I was in college and my first few professional years after that, I 
somehow just was involved in other things. I was still involved with our state affiliate, uh, this organization, but I didn't go to national conventions. And it was a real surprise to me when I started attending national conventions every year, starting in 1985, how large and uh, expansive ACB had grown and how complex the conventions had grown. And I thought I would tell you a couple of stories from my early ACB conventions. Many of you from the state of Kansas here uh, know Mike Rusk and knew his uh, wife, Pam, who unfortunately uh, died at a young age. But Pam and Mike traveled with us to the ACB convention in 1985. And Anne and Pam were both using guide dogs. And both of their guide dogs had these harness signs on that said, please don't pet or feed me, I'm working. One night we heard that there was a really good buy on good, uh, I think it was some kind of a club stake over at a casino across the street and down the street a ways from us called the Castaways Casino. We were in Las Vegas for the convention that year. And we were at the Holiday Casino, but the Castaways supposedly had a really, really good stake. So we found our way down to the Castaways Casino. And it seems like half the people in ACB and a whole bunch of other folks that weren't part of our convention had also heard about the goodbye on the good stakes at the Castaways because there was a tremendous line to get into the fancy dining room in the back of the uh, casino. And uh, it really wasn't moving very fast. So uh, we were standing there in line, chatting with our neighbors in line. And the two guide dogs got tired of standing there waiting and not moving. So they laid down as guide dogs are wont to do. And as we were standing there waiting and not moving very much, so the guide dogs were still laying down, and most of the folks around us didn't know there were two guide dogs down there. Uh, this uh, casino employee, who was one of the, shall we say, costumed entertainers at the casino, she had on fishnet hose and a thong with uh, not a whole lot of anything else around it, and uh, one of those low-cut bikini tops, and uh, she was... Uh, coming out from having taken a message into one of the diners at the uh, restaurant. And the restaurant wasn't really uh, very well organized in that they had the exit and the entrance coming out of the same area. So you had people standing in line, not moving very fast, trying to get in. And you had people shuffling out the other way. And this gal uh, with her a beautiful shapely figure and her pretty hair and her low cut uh, bikini top and her thong and her fish and that nose, uh, hose, not nose, uh, was uh, standing almost chest to chest with me, not quite touching, but she was trying to squeeze past me and I couldn't make myself any smaller. And she happened to glance down at the dogs, but she was looking at directly at me when she said, Please don't pet or feed me. I'm working. And everybody started looking around like, what did he do with her? Why, why did she say that? And to not be outdone by any situation like that, I said, oh, well, what are you doing when you get off work? And Anne tells me that she had a really good rejoinder, which yes. 
remember. I can't remember not, what she said. Because everybody was laughing was so all funny. around us. <laughs> and and uh, so I, I want people who have never been to an ACB National Convention to know that there's a lot of work that gets done and uh, a lot of policies made and things that really have made a tremendous difference in the world of people who are blind and low vision. But there's also a lot of fun that takes place. And the one other story that I will tell to start off this banquet uh, relates to quite a number of years later when I had gotten to be uh, better known in the ACB national scene and I was the chair of the ACB resolutions committee. And uh, one of the people that I had on my committee uh, was a blonde, uh, very attractive, uh, young, uh, some kind of an administrator for the Ohio office of NASA. Uh, she never explained to me exactly what she did, but she did say once that if she didn't do what she did, some of the astronauts might not get paid. So uh, a person who uh, is totally blind, but in a very responsible position with NASA, very professional, and uh, she and I were there with the committee working on resolutions, but it was getting late. It was about two or three in the morning, and the resolutions committee meetings often went to that point. And we were uh, very, very tired, but the meeting was finally breaking up, and, the, and Ann said, Michael, I haven't gotten to gamble. Let's go down to the casino. I, I want to uh, go gamble it for a little It while. wasn't me. It was, it was Jill that said that. Yeah, it, it, okay, I'm sorry. Did I say Ann? Yes, was, uh, the, the young lady from NASA. And uh, I at first said, no, I'm tired. I want to go to bed. But, uh, you know, Jill was very pretty and very nice. And she wanted me to go down with her. And she was a good friend. So I went down and we were sitting at the slot machines. And uh, we decided that the people who were still working up in the resolutions room ought to have some pizza. And we wanted some. So we were looking for an all-night pizza parlor that we had heard was somewhere off of the casino. Again, the convention happened to be in Las Vegas. That's where some of the best stories have come from, but it's fun at any ACB convention. And I'm low vision, but with all of those flashing lights in the casino, I really am pretty easily disoriented. So we were walking around the perimeter of the casino looking for the, uh, the pizza place, and we somehow got to the front to the security desk. And we stopped to ask the gentleman at the security desk where the pizza place was, which he eventually showed us. But the, before we even got our question out, he said, oh, I could just tell. I could just look at people and tell you must be newlyweds. I'll bet you got married in the chapel today. And I, of course, wanted to come to the defense of my good friend, Jill. And so I said, well, uh, no, we're not married. Well, well I mean, I, I'm married, but she's not. Well, she's divorced, but, but I'm not. But I'm married. And, and, and as I sputtered along, the guy said, sir, just stop. I want you to understand Whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. So, <laughs> uh, so, so those are two, my, two of my stories from ACB uh, conventions uh, that happen to be in Las Vegas. But uh, we do a lot of work. We also have a lot of fun. And it's been fun on the virtual conventions the couple of years that they took place 
And I think that for all of the hassles and problems in doing a combined virtual and in-person convention, that ACB did a good job of pulling that off. And I just can't say enough as a person who is the son of charter members, how proud I am of the organization that ACB has grown into. I'm also proud of the 102 year history of the Kansas Association of the Blind and Visually Impaired. We predate ACB. We were already a well-established organization when we chose to affiliate first with NFB and then with ACB. My parents were at the 1961 convention when the two organizations decided to go their separate ways. And uh, I certainly have heard some funny stories about that. My father was also low vision. And uh, he said he remembered uh, seeing a uh, rather rotund blind gentleman trying to hide a webcore uh, console tape recorder under a bed so he could surreptitiously record a meeting that was to take place. And the bed had ball fringes on the bedspread and they got all caught in the, uh, the, the uh, magnetic heads of the tape recorder. And my father who was low vision uh, had two jobs and he went in and he first of all had to help get the rather rotund blind guy, blind guy unstuck from under the bed. And <laughs> then he had to help him get the balls out of the, uh, the tape head. So there are things like that that happen that are humorous. However, ACB grew from that humble beginning, walking over to the uh, Aladdin Hotel next door and starting its incorporation process to uh, one of the largest and absolutely the most democratic organization of blind and visually impaired people in the United States. We are the big tent we feature people who are blind and people who are low vision working together for the interest of all of us. And I am very proud to be a part of that. Uh, Ann and I find ACB to be a great home since we are something that some people call a mixed marriage, a low vision person married to a blind person. I've always thought that that was interesting that people talk about mixed marriages as uh, Catholic and Protestant or uh, blind and sighted or uh, some differences like that. Uh, I used to tell people that a couple of our members, uh, one of them was a conservative Republican and the other was a liberal Democrat, and they got married. And Now that's what I call a mixed marriage. With that, I'm going to turn the program over to Anne to introduce our speaker of the evening, uh, Ashley, and she's going to tell you how we found Ashley and uh, what we decided to have Ashley talk about tonight. And uh, then after that, we've got the recording of our scholarship person to have you all here. Thank you, Michael. Um, <clears throat> oh, uh, I forgot one thing. I wanted to recognize our wonderful ACB staff because eventually we will throw it open to questions for Ashley. Okay, thank you. Uh, I got an email in early August from a a man named Nick Meyer, and he said, we would like you to share uh, Ashley Mazel's story on your newsletter, in your newsletter. And uh, it, it, there was a little bit of information about Ashley that she had lost her vision due to an autoimmune disease and that she was a blogger around the world. They call her a, an influencer. That's a term that I hadn't heard before. 
And one of the things that I found kind of intriguing in the little blurb was that she uh, somehow figured out a way to play catch with her children and she can't see. And I don't know how you do that. So I'm very interested in that. So I wrote back to Nick and said, well, yeah, we're interested in her, but we're looking for a banquet speaker. Maybe she'd be interested in doing that. So we got together on a Zoom call and I think I did more talking than I should have, but uh, she agreed to come and talk to us anyway. So um, you and I will meet and learn more about Ashley together. Uh, first of all, thank you, Ashley. I, I, I admire your courage. This is probably a little challenging for you uh, to come into a group of blind folks who don't know you, you don't know or whatever, but we're pretty friendly, so. Uh, well, first, thank you so much for having me. Um, I thought at first I would be kind of nervous, but you guys are all so welcoming and like listening to all y'all's voices. I'm like, it gives me a sense of like, hey, I can do this, you know? So thank you for making me feel welcome. Certainly. Okay. So I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about myself. Um, I am 32 years old now. I got sick at the age of 28. I have three little boys and a husband. I've been married to for 11 years tomorrow. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. My youngest son, when I first got sick, he was seven months old. And my other two boys were four and five years old. I ended up getting sick with an autoimmune disease called sarcoidosis. Um, It takes over main organs of your body. I was really lucky for it to take over my eyes first because like once it gets to your brain and to your lungs, you really don't have as like a good chance uh, for survival. So I will tell you guys, before I got sick, I was actually a photographer and I realized like my career and my passion came together and it was a beautiful thing. Like I, I loved photography. I loved hearing the excitement from just my people being like, Oh my gosh, like you can feel so much emotion through that photo. My husband always told me like, Ashley, you just have an eye of like a kindergartner. I'm like, I don't know how to say like, thank you or no. (laughs) Um, But I ended up taking pictures and I was in the middle of a wedding and I realized like, my eye was messing up and I'm like, what is going on? So I eventually, I go to an eye doctor and he gives me glasses and he was like, if in between your eyes hurt, it's just from wearing the glasses. I was like, okay, no big deal. Well, I always had perfect 2020 vision and I never really had any eye glass, like any eyes problems. So I was like, okay, awesome. I got these glasses. Glasses are just going to fix the problem. Um, Well, I was very ignorant and the days went on and the weeks went on and I was driving my, I had one in kindergarten and one in pre-K and my kindergartner, I ran into like a mailbox and he was just like, mom, are you okay? And I was like, son, I can't see. He was like, what do you mean you can't see? And then like, I ran into a big stack of wood and I'm like, something is not right. Like, I thought like these glasses are supposed to work, but every day I was waking up and it was just more and more gray in my eyes. So I go to another eye doctor and I'm like, I have to get a second opinion on this y'all. So I go and they set me down and they look me like they look in the back of my eyes and they're just like, I'm sorry, ma'am, but glasses aren't going to fix this. And I remember in that moment 
just feeling like, what do you mean glasses aren't going to fix this? Like you have to be joking. Like I have a seven month old. I have two little boys. I have a husband. Like my photography business is how we ran our home. Like that was our business. My husband is a huge supporter of that. Like, how are we going to like, how am I going to be successful now that my eyes aren't working? And I got to figure out why my eyes aren't working. So my doctor sent me home. He said, go to KUI the following day. And I said, okay. So I go and he's doing my doctor, Aja, and he's doing tests on my eyes for like six hours straight. And my dad took me and he could not figure it out. He calls me or he tells me to go home that night. He says, come back the next day. And I said, okay. And then he called me that night and he just goes, I've been thinking about you and I've been looking at the pictures of your eyes and all the tests. And I think you just need to get to the hospital and we need to figure out how we can save your vision. Cause my right eye was completely gone. And my left eye was like at 70% by then I said, okay. So I, I go to KU and I remember being in the ER and just wanting everything to stop and just like, pick me, pick me, help me, you know? And like, I remember this kid came in and he accidentally shot himself with a gun and like, granted, I understand he shot himself with a gun. It's an emergency and everything. But to me, I'm like, you did that yourself. Like you should know the rules on how to handle a gun. Like I'm losing my vision. I need the help, but it doesn't always work like that. You know, when you're in the emergency room. So eventually they got me back there and started pumping me with steroids, just trying to get the scar tissue to stop because that's basically what grew over my eyes was just scar tissue. Um, and the scar tissue ended up growing over within the three or four weeks. Uh, my right eye ended up being a hundred percent. And by the time my left eye, it was 80%. And I remember sitting in that doctor's office thinking, or sitting in the hospital thinking, this is my new life. Like I was still breastfeeding my youngest son and I had to stop nursing then because of all my treatment medicine. And when I got out of the hospital and I was at home the following days, I was trying to figure out how am I going to make it like, how is this my life now? Like, I can't see my doctors are basically telling me you're SOL, Ashley, like there's nothing we can do for you. And I'm like, what? So all of a sudden I'm listening to this show on Dr. Phil and it pops up and it's talking about this blind girl. She was finally able to read a book by this device that she had. And I'm like, I have to know about this device because my life, I just feel like is so lonely. And I'm asking my eye doctor, like, how am I going to do this? Like I have three little boys at home. I still have to be able to read to them. I still have to be a mom. I'm still changing diapers. Like what am I supposed to do? And he was just like, sorry. So I find this device and I go to the eye doctor and I'm just like, have you heard of this? And he's ta- I'm talking about the Orca in my eye. And he was just like, no. And I'm like, well, this device right here, it says it, it should help me read, you know, like, but it's so expensive. And luckily for me, I have a huge community support. Um, like I said, I was a photographer here in the Kansas City, Kansas area for a really long time. And my community put on a fundraiser for my family and I, and they raised money for me to get and uh, an orca in my eye device. And I was like, yes, I'm gonna be able to read to my kids again. And then like, I let it set for a little bit because I just wasn't ready. Like mentally, I wasn't prepared. And then like COVID hit and having to teach my kids at home and do remotely. I'm like, okay, I have to learn this orca. So once I started learning the orca, I realized 
there's more out there in my life. And I go back to my doctor. I'm like, you know what? I can read. I can read to my kids. You told me I can't. And he was just like, well, your eyes don't work. And I'm like, yeah, but you told me I can't do something and I can. I just found a different way. And since that moment, I have made it a point to remind people that just because you're blind, it does not mean your life is over. You just have to learn to do things differently. And that's totally okay. Is this hard for me and my family? Absolutely. Yes. But we're making it work. When I started figuring out the Orcam and using it, I decided I need more people to know about this because the way I felt in that doctor's office is not the way I want other people to feel because I felt crummy. I felt like I was a lost cause and they're basically like, whoop, you're fine. Just go live in a box. Like you'll make it on your own type of deal. That's not the type of living I am. So I'm like, what? So I just start making short videos on my phone of me using this device. I'm like, if you guys are blind or you have low vision, did you know you actually can read? Did you know that there's actually a device out there that will tell you what colors are? It will tell you the time. It'll tell you the date. It'll read you barcodes. And everyone's like, what? Let me know about it. And that's when I just started using my voice and bringing more awareness to the blind and visually impaired and short videos on Facebook, on Instagram, and on TikTok. Because a lot of people are interested and they're like, how do you live as a blind person? And I'm like, you know what? That's a really great question. Step into my life a little bit. And I go around and I create content all day long, showing people the life as a blind mom of three little boys and a husband. That's like a little short version of what happened to me. I am curious if anybody has any questions real quick of anything that I've gone over so far. Or if anybody's ever heard of sarcoidosis before? No. No. I had never heard of it either. Um, and nobody in my family has ever heard of it. Uh, nobody in my family has ever had it before. They say it can be genetic. I will tell you what I tell my boys is, I mean, as you guys all, you guys don't have your vision either, you know, like everything can go so quickly from you. And like my boys are always asking me, mom, when I get older, am I going to lose my vision? And it's just one of those things where as a parent, you just want to say, oh my gosh, no, you're always going to have your vision. You know, like you're always going to, but now that I've had this happen to me, I just don't know anymore. My kids are always saying, am I going to get sarcoidosis? I'm just like, we're praying you don't, you know, buddy, like, but if you do, and you do get sick, like mommy does, and you do lose your vision, like, you know, your life isn't over. Um, and that's why I use my voice and bring awareness to the blind and visually impaired, because I get told so many times, like, I can't do something, as most of you guys probably get told as well, or they just assume, like, just because we are blind, that we're not capable of stuff. And that's one of the hardest things is being, I was 28 when I got sick, and now that I'm 32, um, it's hard to connect with people that are going through the same stuff as me, especially in my area. Um, a lot of the moms my age are just they're raising babies, they're driving their kids to school, they're going to Target and all that. I'm not, I'm having to Uber, I'm having to ask my husband, I'm having to get rides places and everything is just totally different. So it's been nice being able to make short content videos and connect with people all over the world. And that's exactly what I've been able to do. And I'm so grateful for social media and you guys for having me, by the way.
anybody have any questions? Uh, actually, I do have my hand up, uh, Ashley, and I, I wanted to ask you, uh, there are a few people out doing the kind of things that you're describing, but not very many. And I was not familiar with your work before uh, your uh, publicist contacted us. And uh, I think it was my suggestion to Anne that uh, you sounded like you might be a good banquet speaker, but uh, I am, I serve as the treasurer for uh, an organization called Friends and Art of the American Council of the Blind, and it's the special interest affiliate that uh, deals with a lot of people who have uh, artistic filmmaking, singing, you know, uh, uh, sculpting, that sort of thing. And okay. we have some contact with a, uh, gospel singer who has had a couple of hits on the gospel top 40 which i'm afraid i don't follow that music enough for it to mean anything to me but i think she's pretty well known and she also is making these kind of uh, videos her name is uh jenny owens and i'm just curious if there's oh my gosh she has one of she plays the piano yes she does that's correct one of her songs got me through when I was sick. Uh, oh my goodness. It was a beautiful song. I played it on repeat 24 seven. And it was like this thing in me that it was powerful because she wrote it and she's blind. And I was like, I connected with her so much. Well, did you know that she's also making videos similar to the ones that you're describing? And I'm anxious to look at yours, but I, I really think some of you folks doing this kind of work need to get together and, uh, you know, d- develop some kind of a union or organization of, uh, yes. of blind trainers that way. So it's I have a question. Go ahead. Yeah. Go no, ahead. no, go ahead. Uh, as a, do you have any vision at all? So I actually, this is exciting, you guys. I went in for my first stem cell treatment uh, July of 2020 for my 30th birthday, and they took bone marrow from my hips and injected it into the white parts of my eyes, and I gained natural light and shadows. So then all my followers online, it costs like around $30,000 for this treatment. All my followers, they were like, Ashley, you have to do this. You have to go for another treatment. And I'm like, Okay, let's do it, y'all. So I actually just went in for another treatment uh, August 9th, and I had my one-month checkup for my eyes. In my right eye, I actually saw a letter. So they were like, what letter is this, like, on the board? And it looked like a triangle, and I'm like, what is that? It looks like a triangle. But then my brain, I was like, what does the letter, like, what letter looks like? I'm like, it's an A. It's an A. Like, so yes, I am getting some of my vision back. It's a very, very exciting. And this should go over, this treatment will last over the next five months as well. So how do you use um, your computer if, if you can't see the screen? Do you have speech? How do you do that? So my husband does a lot of everything like that. But on my phone, that's where we mostly do it all. I use my Orcan. It helps me with so much. But also just the voiceover and the speech stuff. I see. Uh, my family is really into like the photography and artsy kind of stuff so it's been it's been really rewarding because like when he said other content other content creators are out there making short videos and stuff showing the world like how we live on top of like showing the world how we live we're actually also like providing for our families like I make a lot of money by posting videos on Facebook every single day that people use 
on an app and they don't even pay to use it. They just sit on their phone and go through reels and little do they know, like when they're watching my videos and liking and commenting, they're actually helping me provide for my family. So it's a win-win. It feels good. Very good. Yes. Um, I also wanted to just mention that having three little boys and losing my vision had really, really affected them. And it still does. Um, and that's something I'm still working on as just a mother, because now my kids are four, eight, and nine. <laughs> like next week I'm walking or I'm going into my kinder or pre-K son's class. And they asked me just to talk about my white cane and being blind and visually impaired because like it's just his first year in pre-K, but every other year for my boys, since I've gotten sick and lost my vision, I make a point to go into their schools just to talk to their whole grade and their classes, just to bring more awareness to people like us. Because I'll tell you, the first year I did it, it was so hilarious. This kindergartner comes up to me and he's like, turns to Oliver and he's like, Oliver, why is your mom walking around the classroom with a pool stick? And I'm like, <laughs> oh my goodness, y'all. It was so funny. I was like, so that's why we're bringing awareness to this because I don't want my kids feeling left out or just feeling weird. Like my, one of my kids just had a field trip and they're like, mom, are you going to go? And I'm like, y'all are asking me if I can go like, thank you for wanting me to come around. And they're like, mom, my friends all love you. You're the cool mom. And I'm like, oh, they think I'm cool now. Like, awesome. <laughs> uh, there, we do have a group, an ACB special interest affiliate called ACB Families, and it used to be, it had a different name, I can't think what it was, but it is made up of parents who are blind or visually impaired with sighted kids or sighted parents with blind kids, and that's a group you might want to uh, connect with, because I'm sure that they can have, do a lot of idea sharing with you, and uh, I know that uh, some of the things that uh, in the past people have talked about are like when uh, these blind parents, their kids are out and about and they start to cry and somebody else picks up the kid and the blind parents go, no, 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 this is my responsibility and things like that. So they, they do a lot of networking yes. and solving and uh, it's a group that uh, if you're interested, I'll try to send you the president of that group and their yeah. information. And I'll tell you about the football thing. You just made me think of that again. Uh, but so me playing catch with my boys. So my boys are actually, it's the first year, my fourth and third grader, they're playing football and I'm so proud of them. But like me, I actually played football when I was their age too. And uh, I'm like, I, I still got it in me, you guys. And they're like, mom, no, you don't. And I'm like, trust me, I do. So I get on the trampoline and like Bentley, he'll go out in the yard and he'll clap and he'll be like, mom, right here. And I'll throw it to the sound of his like voice. And then he just throws it back and it lands on the trampoline because it's a netted in trampoline. So it's like, it's, it's really fun. I'm not actually catching the ball, but I'm catching it in yeah, the trampoline cool. and we're making it work, you know? Yeah, whatever um, it is, that's great. That's but great. another fun thing we do is we went on a big family vacation and there was like 25 of us and all my nieces and nephews, they were wanting to play bags. And I'm like, awesome, you know? And they're like, Aunt Ashley, you can't play. I'm like, excuse me. Oh, your aunt Ashley has it. And my boys were like, oh, my mom can do this. And they would go down to the other end and they would clap. And then that's where I would know to throw it in. And then my boys were like, mom, let's see if the cousins can do it with their eyes closed. And we challenged them all to do it with their eyes closed. And like, we would have our hands down on the other end clapping every single time they had their eyes closed, they made it. 
But if they had their eyes open, they didn't. And I'm like, you're <laughs> awesome. Like, it goes to oh, show you can do a lot by the sound. That's great. Actually, I'd like to take this off in a slightly different direction, if I might. Uh, you're from uh, one of the uh, Kansas uh, communities kind of adjacent to Kansas City. Isn't that right? I don't remember which one. Yes, Kansas City, Kansas. Go Chiefs. Okay. I know because I am a uh, semi-retired certified orientation and mobility specialist, and I think the only legally blind one in the state, uh, that it's really hard for people who are anywhere between the ages of uh, 22 and 55 to find any way to get orientation and mobility training in Kansas. There's just not funding for it for people in the working age group unless they go to VR and say, I want to go back to work and I'll agree to do all this stuff if you give me orientation and mobility. So I'm curious, you mentioned your white cane. How did you learn to use the white cane and uh, what kind of advocacy did you have to do to get the orientation and mobility or did your fundraisers help you deal with that issue too? Oh, no, I'll tell you, I've had an issue with this for the longest, but part of it is it's just an, a me issue at the same time, because I did go to the school for the blind, but I was not mentally ready. I feel like um, a lot of people would be like, well, why not just go and you can learn? Like, aren't you ready? No, I was not ready. Um, I was having a hard time being 29 at the time and going back to school. I have three little boys that were in, starting school off. I me going and relearning everything and trying to live a life, I was not ready. So I held off for about a year. And then I, uh, I went and I learned. And now I follow some amazing people on social media that just show little tactics. And even like at the bottom, like the round balls, to put at the bottom of the cane. Like I didn't even realize this when I went to the beach, this guy on TikTok helped me out, get a, like a disc for the bottom of my cane to work versus what I would have on grass. And I'm like, okay, so I didn't learn that from anybody here. I learned it off of TikTok. And, and that's your credit that you are learning all of that on your own. But when you say you went and you learned, where did you go and how did you go about learning? The Kansas School for the Blind, I didn't even make it there a week. Like I said, I just gave up. I have been self-learning, self-teaching. Um, yeah, when I, so I flew up to New York City by myself because I was on the Dr. Oz show, just bringing awareness to the blind and visually impaired. And I met up with Dr. Brian up there and he was teaching me just some couple extra things with the white cane. Like, I feel like I'm learning every single day because I still struggle with it. Sometimes I feel like I can't make it down the steps without completely falling. And then the other days I'm like, I'm a pro at this. I totally got this. Hmm. Well, I certainly can't uh, challenge people who are able to pick it up themselves. And I'm not worried about uh, the job security of younger people going into my profession because most of the people don't have the motivation to do it the way you did it. So a hundred percent. I I agree. So when you say the motivation, I'll tell you right now, my parents pushed me, my husband pushed me. Uh, I sat in a basement 
I moved in with my sister-in-law for literally the longest. I sat in that basement so down and depressed, like, why me? Why me? Why do I have to be blind? Why did this happen? I was living a great life, you know, like poor me, poor Ashley, like photography was my life. And then something clicked, like my parents and my husband, they were like, Ashley, like you still have a life, you still have a purpose. And that's what gave me like that little oomph in me to have a little bit more motivation in life to just figure things out on my own. Because once I lost my vision, it was, that's when I realized, okay, Ashley, like this is, this is real life. Like this is scary. You got to figure this out on your own because the doctors have made you feel completely hopeless. So that's why I use my voice as well. That's really unfortunate because in the early days, back in the day, when Services for the Blind existed, one of the things that we did was to do uh, training with the ophthalmology people at KU Med and the eye doctors around the state. And uh, we always had this big debate about when is it ready to tell a person that rehabilitation is out there? And we had a big fight with the social worker at, at KU Med because she really didn't want to spring that on people right away. And I'm going, why does, why does somebody need to sit around for a year and be depressed until you decide they're ready to learn about rehab? Exactly. It's there. It's there for them right now. And uh, a lot of people don't know that though. A lot I of know, and we don't have it anymore. is not out we there. Don't, we don't have it anymore. The, the yeah. facility that I used to work with has been closed for, you know, 10 years now. Uh, I'm actually encouraged that the School for the Blind, which doesn't normally work with adults, agreed to work with you even if you weren't ready because uh, they yeah. normally don't advertise that they have that service. So, That's great. Uh, yeah, I, I did make it very long. I was actually super like, I was in my own head about it, you know, like as an adult and like going back and like, I remember when I walked in and they were like, you could even get a job here eventually. And I'm like, in my head thinking, I don't want a job here. I right. want to be able to show people something bigger than this. I want to be able to, you know, getting on a little 15 second video and showing people the tacticals that stop me from going out in the, uh, whatever the parking lot, like half my followers on there. Like I have over a million followers, half them on there. They're like, what? I didn't know that. I thought that was so the car didn't go in the freaking parking lot. I'm like, y'all are hilarious. You know, (laughs) like, it's for the blind visually impaired not for your cart <laughs> well i think it's it's quite amazing and i knew that we would enjoy talking with you just from reading what uh your blurb said and um if if you ever want to uh do something with us locally or whatever yes, i mean absolutely. There, there's there's ways we can hook up and get together and, and share information. Uh, one of our door prize winners this this uh, this afternoon is a lady. She's I've known her since her kids were quite small. They're they're adults now, but she can relate to some of what you're talking about. She had a, a corneal disease where her vision wasn't good, and I think some of her kids have it too. But there just isn't wasn't a lot out there for parents, and I wanted to do more. But I had, you know, 100 cases and I could see people once a month and we did. The oh, yeah. But, uh, and we don't even have that anymore. So. So uh, what it's kind of crazy that you were talking about, like uh, the hospital staff and just everything like that. I'm going to tell you, all I actually just had a surgery this past uh, on Monday. I had a hysterectomy and they kept me there overnight and me being blind. I am kind of used to not um 
Like, I don't need somebody physically there with me. I'm like, just go ahead and go home. Like I can handle this on my own. The nurse is like, they're here. So if I need help, they're going to help me, you know, like I'll call you if I need something. Well, it was so funny being there and being blind because they would bring you your food and not one person will tell you where anything is. And as a blind person, I'm over here like, okay, hi, I'm blind. And they're like, hi, we know. And I'm like, hi, okay. You want to explain like where the stuff is? Because I'm trying to teach these people that are like children dropping off these trays. Like, Hey, yeah, you know, I'm blind. So you need to say your tea is at 12 o'clock. Your chicken is at three o'clock and blah, blah, blah. It's like, you can't just set stuff down in front of us and think we're good to go. It just doesn't work like that. So for some people it does, but you're right. We we're stuck as educators quite often and I'm telling you, there are days when I don't want to teach anybody anything. You know, it's it's like, why do I have to keep doing this? And and then, then I think, now, wait a minute. The next person that comes along may not know what you know, and you need to be polite and courteous to people and still teach them whether you feel like doing it or not. And uh, yes, uh, I know what you're saying, but I would, I, uh, I, I think part of the dilemma that we get into is that we don't always know how to ask the questions to get the right answers that we want. And an example of that that I'll give you and then I'll quit talking is I used to teach people how to fold their money so they could keep track of it. And Mm -hmm. I said, okay, let's say you're at the grocery store, you buy, you have a $20 bill and you buy something for $6.38 and they hand you back some change. They hand you back a couple of bills and some coins. You don't care about mm-hmm. the coins, but you do care about the bills. So you have a choice. You can stand there and put your money away and ask somebody later, or you can use your phone. But we didn't have some of this stuff that's out there now, mm-hmm. but then. Or I said, you can, you can ask the person a couple of questions. And I would say, what do you want to know? What do you want the person to tell you? Well, they'd, tell, they'd say, well, tell me what my money is. I said, no, that's not what you want to know. You know that if you're spending $20 bills, $20 and you're spending $6 something, you're going to have probably a 10 or let's say you're spending $3 and something. You're going to have a 10, you're going to have a five and you're going to have at least one one. That's what you want to know. You don't want to, you don't want to say, well, can you tell me what my money is? Because then you're not telling that clerk that you know anything. But if you say, can you tell me which one is the 10? They get it and they say the tens on top and then the five and then the one and you're done and you don't have to, you know, you don't have to do anything else. But a lot of the frustration that people get into is they don't know how to ask the question to get the right answer, to get the answer that they really want. And uh, I did a lot of teaching that way where we would talk about roles and we'd say, so what is it you really want to know? Like when I was out, when I got my first guide dog, they stuck us out on the street. And they said, you got to ask somebody for help. And I would not do it. I was scared to death. And by God, I wasn't going to ask anybody. Finally, <laughs> one of the trainers came up to me and said, so, Miss, Miss uh, Cruz, what do you want to know? And I said, well, I need to know uh, what street I'm facing. And mm-hmm. he said, you're facing such and such. Now, I didn't. I, I was told, you never tell somebody you're lost. And I did that one time, and it just freaked the hell out of the sighted person. That was trying to help mm-hmm. Yes, and say, absolutely. What, what street am I facing? 
Well, a lot of people don't understand that question either, because especially if I'm facing diagonally into the corner of the curb instead of facing one street or the other street. Um, so a lot of our frustration is because we don't ask the right questions and we don't, so we don't get the right answers. But also there are a group of people out there who can't talk to us. They don't know how to explain stuff. They'll say, well, I'll show you, let me show you. And sometimes <laughs> I do because it's easier. It's easier to say, okay, show me, take me there, whatever. Well, uh, I, I had something funny happen and then I'll quit. I was at the doctor's office the other day and um, I was looking for a chair. And the, the funny thing that happens to me is I'll be, I, or no, I was looking for the check-in counter. And this was a place I don't go often. And I, I stepped into the area and a couple of guys said, uh, do you need to sit down? And I said, no, I need to check in. So this one guy came up <laughs> and he put his arm around me and he just kind of guided me over to the counter. And I thought, well, this is interesting. I've never been hugged by before by a guide, but you know, whatever works. And, uh, but now if I get the right app on my phone, I can have the phone put a beeper yeah. on a chair or on the counter and I can find the counter without asking somebody. Now I don't have a problem asking people except there's one place I go and there's nobody there. It's, it's a really weird office entry area. And I'm telling you, there is nobody and I can't find the office. And so the next time I go, I'm going to call the nurse and say, look, I need your cell phone number because I get so stressed out trying to figure out how I'm going to get in here. And the, it is you know, so stressful. It's extremely stressful. Won't tell me how to find you. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to live that way. So, yes, well, it is. Yes. Well, this is a really great conversation that I feel like we're kind of eavesdropping on here between you two. I don't want those of us who happen to have the good fortune of being on the panel side to uh, keep folks who are not on the panel side from having an opportunity to answer questions. So I wonder if ask we ought to throw it open to uh, uh, ask questions. The wider group to ask questions now. Yes, absolutely. If there's any questions, feel free. Okay. Another random thing while we're sitting here waiting, I was going to tell you guys one of the fun things when, before I lost my vision, my boys, they love mushroom hunting, morale mushroom hunting. And uh, me being me, I'm like, we got to find a way to still do this, y'all. Like, it is so much fun. They taste so good. Like, mm. well, I can't see the mushrooms, but I love going with my boys and they get so excited. The past few years, they'll go back there and be like, mom, there's a mushroom. And they'll like find a peckerhead or a morel. And hearing their excitement, it seriously, it's like just as good as seeing that morel when I had my vision. <laughs> wow. Just a random story. That's great. I want to make I, a I, point. I, I need to come see you and learn how to identify mushrooms by touch. That'd be great. Oh yeah. Well, we got to be careful. So mushrooms, I didn't process this, but they have a ton of bugs in it. So like, uh, when you're walking with them, you got to make sure they're in a bag that has a little bit hole. So the morale stuff will fall. And I didn't know because you have to put them in water in a refrigerator for like 12 hours with salt to make the bugs die. And then you go get the bugs out and you can fill them. And it's like, Oh my goodness, y'all, there's so many bugs in there. <laughs> we eat that. <laughs> Yeah, we we had a friend who used to say that people who were fully sighted or had significant low vision were LDH, light dependency handicapped. And, uh, I, I just want to uh, point out that 
as a low vision person who has worked in rehab, uh, Ashley has demonstrated something here without realizing it that lets me know that she is uh, very comfortable, or at least getting very comfortable in her skin without being able to see. And that is when this uh, event started and I met Ashley, there was a lot of national, a natural light coming in the windows of her home. And uh, we got a nice visual picture of Ashley. Ashley is now on my screen from what I see <laughs> in total darkness because she's very comfortable whether she's around light or not. Now that's a difference in, in Ashley and me. And I'm comfortable with her being in dark, certainly being married to a person who is congenitally totally blind. But uh, I, I just find it fascinating when I'm talking with uh, someone who is totally blind and all of us light dependency people are making certain our cameras are focused <laughs> and then that person will have the lights go out and it just won't make a bit of difference to them. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really notice. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay, Mike, you have two hands up for Ashley. All right, great. Okay, Nancy. But Ashley, have you ever considered the advantages of learning Braille? I, oh, I am, man. I'm a, I'm a mom. I have two. I, I blind mom have a little bit of usable vision. I have two grown children and two grandchildren. Uh, mm -hmm. But I have always found that Braille is an absolute help for all kinds of things. So, so I, I am someone that I tried learning it and I stopped with the letter E. And the reason why, and I hate to say it, I quit, but to me, um, grabbing a puffy paint pen and taking notes at my kids' uh, parent-teacher night is so much easier than like, I don't know, trying to learn Braille. I just go back over the letters that I write in puffy paint and that is literally how I make everything work. Puffy paint's a cool idea, actually. Awesome. <laughs> they actually um, even have pens that so you don't have to uh, wait for the puffy paint to dry so long. Um, but that's what I use for like school when I go to my kids stuff. Because at first I showed up with a huge puffy paint thing and I went and I flipped the paper over and it smudged everywhere. I was like, oh my goodness, y'all. First time blind mom right here. So uh, next year I made it with the pens and it seems to work really well. That's, that's a very unusual technique, Ashley. I, uh, during my years of practice, have known one person and uh, she was uh, a social, uh, worked as a human service worker at the Envision facility when they had one in Southeast Kansas but she also was a lecturer at a local uh, community college and mm -hmm. she would do all of her notes either with a puppy pen or in uh, uh, some type of paper that she could, uh, uh, that yeah. she could create uh, uh, text in. And uh, she was able the to whole read paper. those notes That's as fast awesome. as uh, my wife or other people who are excellent Braille users read Braille. But I do want to put out that you are probably in about, oh, maybe one half of 1% of all blind people who are able to use that methodology. Uh, it's something that for some reason just doesn't work for a lot of people where Braille does work better. Well, the biggest reason is that uh, while I know how to write print, uh, at least capital print letters, and I know the print alphabet because I used to read 
print with an Opticon, uh, it, it would be, I could do it, but it would be a lot slower. And Braille is, you know, I can write it quite quickly, but it doesn't matter. Whatever works is what's important for people. Exactly. And, and uh, that's where I found out because I was getting so frustrated, y'all. Like I got to the letter E and I'm like, I can't keep up with these bumps because there's like, they're not even all the same. And it was too well, much for my brain. They are, but you know, when you don't have so much going on in your life, you might think about Braille, even if it's just for labeling stuff. I mean, but there's other yeah. ways to do that too now because you can have the, the way around technology that lets you make a recording of a, like, yes. like a, I have a, a needles in a, diabetic needles in a case, and I put on it with a, a sticker diabetic needles and I can take my cell phone and scan it and it tells me what it is so you know there's a, there's all kinds of ways to handle this yes that's like I was telling you guys about my OrCam like I discovered this OrCam and I have literally I've tried other products but some of them you know they just don't fit for certain people some people are like oh you really have to use this thing it's the best thing for the blind people and it's like huh I tried it it just wasn't working for me I found my own way and um that's one thing I love about the Orkian is programming in faces. So I know which kid is mine, like which one is which. I mean, all three of them are mine and my husband's, but I'm just saying like, which one is Bentley, Oliver, or Joey. So it's actually really cool. And see that particular device is not one that I would find very helpful at all. So it, it just depends on yeah. what works for you. I, I feel like this device actually helps a lot of the younger generation, like people around like uh, around my age, I feel like just because it is kind of just like a little camera, you know, like a camera attached to your glasses. Works for some and works for, doesn't work for others. Right. Did we have another hand, uh, Cindy? Yes, sir. You have two more. Kathy. Thank you, Nancy, for your question, by the way. I hope I answered it good. Okay. Um, I was, I was, I was, they didn't have totally blind. Um, I, my, my mom was a teacher, and I used to drive the, uh, I used to drive the neighbors in our neighborhood crazy because I drive my bike, and we lived on the dead end street. And mm -hmm. our neighbors wanted to put up a sign that said, that said that I could uh, see the blind person and mom and dad, mom and dad wouldn't let them do that because they said, you know, they wanted me to grow up in, in a, you know, as good a world as I could. And I learned to water ski. I, um, I, I'm getting pretty techy. I knit. I do all kinds of things. I'm 70 years old. I'm retired, thank God. And <laughs> different strokes for different folks. But I just think that you're wonderful that you've got to keep that spirit up that you can do everything that you want to do because that's the way you're going to succeed. And um, I went to the school for the blind from first grade to fourth grade, and I went to public school from fourth grade to seventh grade. I did not get along well in public school, so I went back to the school for the blind. 
Mm-hmm. And I was so I was so far I was so far behind and I had to catch up. But anyway, Almond I wore out three um tandem bicycles. And we used to tell the people at Spin that we that we could uh, be a commercial form because we would have we had two baskets, one on each side, and we put a we put about a hundred dollars worth of groceries back then in 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 that bike baskets, and home we'd go. And <laughs> it you know it you just have to adapt, and that's all I'll say. Oh, yes. I always remind people and tell them that you can do hard things. I tell myself that every single day, like waking up, do I like this? No. Is this hard? Absolutely. But I can do it. You know, like we all can do it. And did we have yet another hand, I think? Yes, sir. Henry. Hello. Um, I just wanted to say that uh, I'm, I've been taking advantage of quite a few of the discussion groups with the Hadley School for the Blind, and uh, last week we had one one discussion group where there were thirty five or so people that were there, and telling about their doing the difficult. You know, when you run into real problems, how do you deal with it and everything? And uh, there were a lot of people that responded to that. And uh, but the common thread was you have to advocate for yourself and you have to educate. That's the yes, only yes. way people are going to learn, and and you're a, a, you can be a good instrument for for the blind and the visually impaired when you uh, are able to do those things. Thank, Thank you. you, Henry. So my watch says it's eight o'clock. Do we have other questions? Uh, right now, nobody has their hand up, but soon as. You say that somebody raises their hand. Yeah, that's fine. They can do that. You know how you guys are. You guys are really awesome. And I just wanted to say, as a blind and visually impaired person who lost my vision as an adult, um, coming into this community, I have felt like everybody has been so welcoming and loving. And Mm -hmm. um, I just want to say thank you for everything you guys are doing for everybody out there including myself, because you guys are just bringing more awareness and helping people. And I know I appreciate you. And I know there's other people out there that do as well. So thank you. Thank you. Anne uh, and Michael. One of the things I would tell you uh, that I, when I was in, in college, in graduate school, I had, I lived in a little bitty apartment and I had very little money. I mean, very little money. And my landlady would give me things. She, if they had leftovers, she'd bring them down and say, here, we don't want to finish this. You can have it or whatever. And I got one day I said, you know what? I'm tired of being a taker and a user. I don't want to do this the rest of my life. And she said, well, when you get a job, you can give back to other people. And that made a big impression on me because I had never really learned, even though I, I had done volunteer work and so forth, I hadn't put it in the in the uh, perspective of paying it forward, I guess is the, the buzzword now that you use. Yeah. But if we can't, um, it's like Michael and I were talking the other day, and if we didn't have KABVI or ACB, we would be so damn bored because we wouldn't have anything <laughs> yes. to do. You know? I, I feel and, this. 
Now, this week I could have given to somebody else because it's been, <laughs> been crazy. <laughs> but <laughs> most of the time it's a lot of fun and it's been a lot of fun today too. So I'm yes, really I glad. Yes, I hope I get to join you guys again sometime. You guys yeah. are seriously well, awesome. We need wow. your, uh, we need, you need to email me your mailing address so we can. Yes, absolutely. Do, uh, uh, the get you and, our newsletter list and so on then. Yes. Right. We're going to. Michael, I, mean, I was literally just thinking this whole time during this interview thing of uh, that Jenny Owens, who you were saying, the song is If You Want Me To. Literally, that song is what, like, music is medicine to me. Right. And that girl, oh, man, that song gives me the chills. We'll, we'll like, have have heard it. I'm familiar with that song. I'm, I'm somewhat of a Jenny Owens fan because she's probably the most notable singing star that I have ever had an opportunity to spend significant time with. And I say significant time, we're not bosom buddies or anything, but uh, she needed some uh, uh, guide assistance and uh, uh, some introductions around the American Council of the Blind Convention. And I was the low vision guy in FIA that was available to do that. And uh, I love we really uh, enjoyed uh, communicating with each other and I do want to check out your videos, but I want you to check yes. out hers. And hers are under a uh, group of videos called, uh, I believe, As I See It or The Way I See It, something like that. Uh -huh. uh, and they're on YouTube. So Awesome. I will definitely do that. And if you guys want to check out my on my Facebook, I go by Ashley and McCombs Mizell. And um, you will see like a half million people on there. They literally just follow my everyday life. I post like six to seven videos a day of just showing people. And on top of that, with my TikTok and Instagram, I go by blind mom of boys. <laughs> well, okay. I, I don't have uh, Instagram, but I do have Facebook. And Oh, I'm go look me up on there. Your page and KABVI has a Facebook page. And Ooh. I did tell this story of earlier so i'm not going to spend a lot of time on it now but uh i want you to know about facebook i put our entire uh program up on the facebook page and i really spent some time formatting it so i thought it would look good up there and uh -huh. facebook took it down and sent me a note saying that i had posted something subversive and that they had to take it down and if i did that again i was going to facebook jail so uh, I but was that really I will tell you Facebook is very uh, they want to make sure what is up on their page is really correct but Facebook pays really well so I'm like I love it let me keep bringing awareness to the blind visually impaired with my short <laughs> short videos you guys right. are laying in bed just listening to them like thank you <laughs> wow. okay Michael you have another hand up all right. Well, I think we've got time to do that. Okay, uh, Julie. Thank you, Henry, for your... Okay. Lesson. There is another woman who shows things that she does on videos. She's kind of so bubbly. She just kind of seems a little over the top, but she's kind of interesting. And her name is Joy Ross. Huh, she, I don't know if I've heard that, that one. Last name is, how do you spell the last name, Julie? I think it's R-O-S-S. Ross, okay. I'm glad you Ross. didn't just say like my name because I'm like a lot of people say I'm too bubbly and I'm like I know oh I know. no no she's, uh, 
No, she's really, you know, <laughs> well, I, if, and, and I like bubbly people a lot. But I was going to say, if we were going to tell the truth, truth, Julie's kind of bubbly too. So I am. I am. <laughs> yes, but yeah. I can hear of, it in your voice. <laughs> she is, um, she's just kind of over the top, um, but she's on YouTube. Okay. And I don't, Another know I, I don't know how I stumbled onto her. But I was, I suppose I was looking for something and she came up and, uh-huh. um, you know, and she, um, she shows herself doing all kinds of different things. I don't, I, I've got her on my subscriptions. I don't check her out very often, but once in a while, um, I see what she's doing. But. Do you find YouTube to be easier for you to use? versus like Facebook or something? I haven't used pay- Facebook for several years, but that's- Oh my because, goodness, y'all. I mean, I was, I, I really missed it at first when I moved to Kansas, but uh-huh. we didn't, um, but our building um, only had one choice for internet in this part of town at, when we moved in here. And mm-hmm. they were trying to high pressure really bad for us to bundle this and that and something. And we didn't have the money to do it, so- um, so I didn't have internet for a while. And when I did, um, you know, I didn't, I, I just had a smartphone. So I, oh, yeah. didn't try, I didn't try to do Facebook. I, I find Facebook very challenging. I don't know how to do it at all. So, but yeah, I can kind of annoying. things up. I'm working. I... Sorry, go ahead, Julie. Go ahead. I said, yeah. I, you know, I can search for things on YouTube and they, you know, they, they come up and so then I can listen to them and and whatever so yeah so and how you said you find Facebook to be difficult I'm actually working with meta because meta is what took over Facebook and Instagram and I'm trying to bring them to realize how difficult it is for somebody like myself and you to use this app and we are trying to bring in more like assistant technology when it comes around to the app and it is being worked on I just want you to know because I'm right. one of I, the creators out there that are like you've got to figure I, something I spent out so much time putting in passwords that it finally said we don't believe you are who you are so you've got to send us a picture and all this stuff and I went no 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 I'm not going to do that so I really haven't yeah. I have. I need to set up a new account and start over. And it's. I don't want to spend that kind of effort just to talk to people. I can call them on the phone or email them easier than I can mess with all that. So I just don't. You know, like I said, we all do what works for us. And eventually, if I have a real compelling reason to learn to use Facebook, I will. But at the moment, I don't. So. Well, uh, the, the descriptions on Facebook are interesting. As uh, a low vision person, sometimes I get my nose up on the screen and uh, take a look at the uh, things and some things I can't see. But the uh, pictorial descriptions that they've now gotten programmed into Facebook uh, with my system access speech reader work pretty well at the office. But I found it interesting. Usually it tells uh, if there's a picture posted with a picture of it. Uh, man with a white beard or something like that. But the other day I was looking at some picture that had me in it. And uh, it said that it would look to me like it was two women looking at, I don't remember what, but uh, I decided not to believe everything it tells me. That's funny. Yeah. yeah and, and when I was using Facebook, my classmate told me um, that, I mean, even though I was doing it on a computer back then, 
to use mobile Facebook because it was easier and it didn't right. have ads. Yes. I don't yes, know if that's yes, true yes. anymore or not. It is. It is. Okay. I, I just, I don't want to work that hard. I got other things I'd rather do, like read with my e-reader or listen to talking books or knit. Or Look at you, Anne. Yeah, you're on top dog. of it. You know, I'm over here like, give me all the Facebook. Let me go ahead and continue these short videos. <laughs> Watch my ads, that, That's guys. fine. That's fine. And I'm glad. Yes, and I'd you. love to see them. And if they were on YouTube, that would be easier. <laughs> you know, but thank you for saying that because I actually have a YouTube channel. I just personally haven't put a ton of effort into it because of the way Facebook pays and the amount of money that Facebook pays. It's hard to put your effort into a whole nother platform. Yeah. But if, YouTube is easier. I think I really should look more into that because I find a lot more of the blind and visually impaired creators over there. Well, I did want to make the point that Ashley has managed to do something that I think none of the rest of it of us have managed to do. And that is she took this stuff and turned it into money. I know. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Something that should not be underrated in any way, shape or form. Absolutely. <laughs> I am telling you guys, like I didn't even process it because you know, like when you're on disability, like when I'm, I was 28, when I first got sick, I didn't have a lot of work years ahead of me. So when I got my disability, I'm like, this is what I'm supposed to live off of. This isn't going to work. So I literally, okay. I turned everything around and like, I work for companies, even for my hair, people see my hair and they're like, we love your hair. What do you use? And now I shoot one video a week of my hair and get paid for it. All right. Very good. Oh my goodness. But I know my, my former partner's son, he, um, you know, he said, Oh, you could do this and make money. And I'm thinking they don't pay money for things like that. And you, you know, oh, for they do things that I might have to say anymore. And I wouldn't know how to set it up anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of crazy. They pay up to 35 K a month. Wow. So Just Facebook, by... but, but Mart was yeah. saying people would, could, would contribute uh, you know, that people okay. would make donations and I'm so, I don't think so. <laughs> oh yeah, girl. I just had all my followers donate $30,000 for me to get a stem cell treatment. Like it's crazy what's out there. People wow. want good things, you know, and they help good people and then it turns around and helps people. Like one thing Ann said earlier that really caught my attention was a lot of people are always like, Thank you for your videos and thank you just for getting on here every day and showing up for us, uh, even when times are hard, you know, and it's like yeah. people appreciate those videos. They, it pushes them to get going. Like I get on in the mornings and I'm just like, good morning. Don't forget to take your morning medicine. I hope you guys have a good day and just remind them like y'all can do hard things and people want that reminder. They need that, that little push, so that cool. little, that yeah. little like positivity in their ear in the mornings, you know? So I'm like, okay, I can do this. So that's what right. I do. <laughs> Well, I think for the sake of the host, we need to uh, bring this to a close, but I really do want to thank you, Ashley, and I want you to thank Nick for finding us, because yes. I wouldn't have known about you without them, and uh, we'll we'll keep in touch. I know how to find you now. I've got your email and your phone number, and uh, we'll, this will not be the last time you hear from us, and I know we'll want to have you back again, so Yay. thank you so much, and... Uh, we thank you everyone thank you Ann and michael like yeah you guys are awesome and acb media you guys are awesome thank you That's for having right. me thank you y'all right, have a Ann, great this is, weekend this is thank good you. and i'm here till 
the end of the hour, whatever you say. Okay, well, I think now we probably need to go on to our uh, video Recording. of Scholar. That's right. Uh, Ashley, thank you very much. This has been a good experience, and I not only learned a lot about you, but I've learned quite a bit about uh, some of our other participants, which I enjoyed everyone's input very much. Me and, too. Thank uh, you. To just let you know that even though most of us in KABVI kind of have gray hair and are uh, receiving benefits because we're old more than because we're blind, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we do have some young people coming up that are doing some great things. And Anne's got an interview with one of them, Mr. Uh, Stockton Greenwald, Greenwald, Greenwald. that uh, we want to play for you tonight. And then we're good until 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. And tomorrow, actually, I know you're busy, but uh, one of the things we're doing after lunch is uh, meeting ACB special interest affiliates. And midway through that list is a lady from ACB Next Generation, which is their attempt to get more young people involved. So uh, okay. you might want to listen to her. Yeah. So, What time I, is that? Do you know? Uh, that, the next segment is 1 to 2.30, and she's kind of in the middle of the list, I think. So I would okay. say probably a little after 2, but I'm not Perfect. sure. I'll try and jump on after my kids' football games. Okay. Good. Awesome. Alrighty. Thank you, guys. Okay. Cecily, are we ready to hear our scholarship person? Absolutely. Okay. Thank you. Today... Uh, we we are really delighted to have Stockton Greenwald. Can you get that any louder? Scholarship winners to talk with you all and me. Thank you. Um, so we had Kim Morrow, who's one of the longer time scholarship winners back in the 1818, not that long ago, 1980s. And Stockton, and you have what, three scholarships from us? Yes, uh, 2017, 2018, and 2019, I believe. Right, that's what I was thinking too. Yeah. So where are we hearing from you? Where are you? Uh, well, thank you all so much for interviewing me today. I'm actually in Northwest Washington, D.C. Uh, wow. I know, uh, I don't really believe it either. Um, I'm beginning this week, the second year of my master's program at American University. And uh, I've also just started this week uh, interning uh, with the uh, the Dashiell Group, uh, which is a firm uh, on behalf of former U.S. Senate Majority Leader uh, Tom Dashiell from South Dakota, uh, so super happy to be here. And I don't think I would be here without KBVI and all of your steadfast support. So. That's wonderful. Um, what were you finishing your degree in in twenty nineteen then? Yes. So before I attended American University, uh, I was a student at Rockhurst University, Jesuit College in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, thanks to your support, I was able to complete a Bachelor of Arts in Political Science, History, and uh, with a minor of e in Economics. Yep. Wow. And then what did you do after that? Uh, I graduated in the spring of 2021 and uh, decided I wanted to continue my education for as long as I can remember. I've had a keen interest in the civic history of our country, and I thought that uh, coming to our nation's capital would be a great next step. Uh, it uh, has been an incredibly uh, fantastic experience, and um, 
uh, with the uh, amount of public transit here, uh, especially subways and uh, bus routes, it's been, uh, I've been very fortunate to be able to get around more. I feel uh, a lot more independent and uh, thanks to the support you all gave me and uh, my time in, in college, I, I feel a lot more confident about myself uh, and um, in the face of uh, obstacles I've had in my life. So again, thank you all very much. It means the world to me that you supported my academic career. We've been in Washington, D.C. for uh, some of the mid-year meetings, and I would agree with you. I think one time we were there for three or four days, and I counted uh, Michael and I and my guide dog rode, rode 18 different trains and subways and stuff to get where we were going. And if he couldn't figure out the maps, we would people would come over to us and say, can we help you? We didn't even have to ask people most of the time. They were very good at telling us which line we wanted and all of that. And um, so that it is true that the, it's it's a whole different world there in Washington, D.C. as far as mass transit goes. It makes Kansas look pretty quiet. <laughs> so um, tell me about uh, what you're doing now. Are you you said you're interning. What does the what does a previous senator do? Uh, so, right. So, Senator Doshel was a U.S. Senate Majority Leader from I think 2001 to 2003. He now runs a, a government relations firm, and uh, I work on uh, projects across a bunch of different issues. Uh, right now, we're taking the lead on a a pro bono for a client that is uh, looking into uh, suicide prevention legislation for. Uh, for uh, U.S. Army veterans, um, and uh, we're looking into that. And uh, before my time uh, at the Dashiell Group, I, I worked for the uh, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, uh, and also for the Alliance for American Manufacturing, uh, which is a partnership with uh, United Steelworkers. So I've worked at a couple of nonprofits and uh, and doing some time in government relations to see uh, uh, if I can play a role. Uh, at all in, in helping uh, some of the people that have, uh, you know, helped me so along the way. So what what would you like to, when you grow up, <laughs> what yeah. would you like to do? Um, as to I, do? Yeah, as I mentioned, I, um, I worked, uh, uh, or ever since I was a little kid, I've had a fascination with the past and uh, I've loved history. And uh, I've loved political science. I love learning about uh, our culture and about uh, the story of America. And uh, I'd like to serve uh, in the federal government upon my graduation. I'm actually preparing for uh, an examination called the Presidential Management Fellows. Uh, and that's a, a test that uh, will determine uh, if you behaviorally and uh, or are eligible to serve uh, for some of some federal agencies. So. Uh, I wouldn't be here without the help of so many people in uh, from my orientation and mobility specialists to the folks at KA BVI. And I uh, would like to dedicate my career to uh, uh, public service in some capacity. Yeah. Wow, that's wonderful. Um, what would you tell students? And we don't have, we're, we're really struggling to get our younger population involved in KA BVI and uh, we we hope to have one of the student ACB students group leaders on our uh, special interest 
affiliate panel, which is on Saturday, the 24th of September from 1 to 2.30 Central Time. But what would you tell students about belong or being involved in service or a group like KABVI or some of the other groups that you participated in? What's the advantage of that for students, blind and visually impaired students? I would say, well, thank you for the question. I would say everyone has a story, regardless of who walks in the door. Uh, they've got a full range of experiences that are different than yours and uh, uh, can help shed light on in the way you approach something. And I think as a student, a lot of times you feel like you're new to everything and and things might be confusing or you feel that you don't uh, you're not qualified to say anything, you know, but I think you should trust your instincts and uh, know that you do have a voice, know that your story matters, know that you matter. And uh, there's no problem in asking for help. And uh, you are just as good as anyone else and no one is better than you. And so uh, when you put your voice uh, and your mind to something, you can you'd be so surprised at what you can accomplish. And there are so many people uh, who want to help you along the way. Uh, it, and uh, every day when you wake up, uh, there's uh, these organizations, you know, um, can really make a difference, not just in your life, but uh, the kids who come down the line, you know, so definitely encourage you to get involved. And even if you don't think you're qualified or, uh, or uh, have the skills that you might think you need, you definitely do. You have something to bring to the table. You matter and uh, your, your words matter. Yeah. Have you been able to participate in any other ACB activities? I know you're awfully busy I, and uh, there's a lot of information out there that we don't share as much as we should and we're going to work on that, at least I am this year, uh, which is why we're focusing on special interest affiliates of ACB because they seem to be the groups that are growing. State groups are not, but the special interest ones are. Uh, for example, there is an ACB students group and I'm still trying to hook up with the president of that group. Um, there is ACB Next Generation, which is for people under the age of 40, I guess, or 45, I don't know. Uh, there's there's a Braille Revival League, there's library users, there's all kinds of ways that people can get involved in um, ACB. And then at the state level, of course, we have a board of directors. We put out a newsletter, which I hope you're getting. I, I don't know if you yes, are. Yes, I, I am. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, so do you, um, do you see yourself having any time to work at the state level with us or are you pretty well maxed out? Um, I think the, the beauty of, uh, I, obviously, uh, things have changed a lot in the past couple of years, but in the, but the beauty of this, uh, kind of remote opportunity means that, uh, there's more time to, uh, to contribute to other places, you know, cause you don't have to, uh, commute and, and travel back and forth. Right. Yeah. Uh, so if I can assist in any capacity, please let me know. Uh, in regard to other organizations, um, the Kansas State School for the Blind uh, in Kansas City, I know it's it's on the Missouri side a little bit. So it, no, it's you know. on Kansas. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah right there. Um, th it's right next to me. Sorry, I got that wrong. But uh, they were super helpful, too. Their president, uh, John Harding, yeah. uh, has been super supportive. When And I, I've known them since uh, even before – 
I was in high school. They had a, uh, uh, I think it was called Alpha Point or something like right. that. Yeah. And uh, they were incredibly helpful too. So I'm. We're going to hear from him on Friday morning. And oh, yeah. um, so if you get a chance, if you, if you can register with us, we can, I know you're busy, but you, you could listen to some of the presentations and I think they're going to be recorded. That's correct. Isn't it Cecily? The, the, usually yes. they are recorded and then they'll be podcasts. So if you don't have time to do it live, you can listen to them later and we'll send out links to, to, uh, people. I'd uh, love to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Please I tell don't know. Are you on our list, sir? Um, I'm not sure. You well, you must not be then, because I have this bad habit of overwhelming people, and I get scolded by my membership because it's hard to know what somebody wants to know about from ACB leadership or conversation or whatever. So I'll I'll uh, I'll learn how to include you on that if you're interested. If it's a little bit overwhelming for people, but you probably are better at technology than about anybody we have in our group. So, um, oh, I wouldn't say that. I'm sure you guys do a great job. Yeah. Thank you. What, what, uh, tell me about your day. What do you, do you have a, a lot of travel time? Do you walk to work? What do you, how do you manage getting around as far as? Yeah, I, I realized I didn't give a whole lot of background on that. So I have a, a couple of visual impairments. I have ocular albinism and nystagmus, and uh, essentially meaning, you know, I'm light sensitive. Uh, and if I you stare at something for a decent amount of time, uh, in my uh, you'll notice my eye drift a little bit inward. And, that, uh, uh, and they're only partially correctable. So even uh, with uh, any kind of prescription lenses, I think uh, I, I'm not able to... Uh, to see past a certain threshold. Um, right. I did do, I was, I was with a telescopic lens. I was barely within legal limits for driving, but uh, having taken a driver's education course, uh, the amount of uh, things going on basically in my field, outside my field of vision, uh, pretty much made it uh, almost impossible outside of very rare circumstances for me right. to do so. So from uh, early on, I realized I'd have to be reliant on a uh, public transit. So uh, in my day to day life here in D.C., I live within walking distance of my school, about a mile each way. Um, but if I want to go down uh, downtown or anything like that, uh, I'm I use the the bus or and there's a metro station about a little under a mile from my house. Uh, my university provides me with a, a pass that is included with my tuition that allows me to take unlimited rides to and from each place. Uh, I use multiple, yeah, it's fantastic. I use uh, multiple apps to uh, to ensure where I'm going and a lot of them now even, I'm sure, because you all have been out here to DC, but and maybe you've experienced this, but now there are apps that can tell you exactly where a train is, you know, um, and stuff like that. So. And uh, with with your phone, obviously, in the directions, you can figure out with pretty good uh, precision and certainty uh, where you need to go, when you need to go. Um, and so that has been incredibly helpful. Uh, in the classroom, uh, I usually sit in the very front row. I, I usually try and get large print textbooks or uh, use a magnifier on my laptop or, or desktop to um, to enhance uh, images and um, 
I would say that that's kind of the tools I use. I do have a a, a monocular which I use to look at uh, street signs, uh, especially at busy intersections. And uh, I do have a cane, but uh, a lot of my area, fortunately, is pretty uh, is is pretty pretty flat and and walkable. And I've kind of got the the route down, so I'm I'm a little bad with using it. You know, I should probably be a little bit more uh, a little bit more practice. Um, but I would not be able to do any of this at all. Would not be able to even be an advocate and ask for help if it wasn't, uh, for organizations like KABVI. Uh, so again, thank you all so much. And, uh, that's kind of what my day to day looks like. Um, if you have any questions on that, happy well, to answer. Uh, my comment on the cane is that, um, it's also a way of identifying yourself as a low vision person to drivers. Yeah. And, and other people, and sometimes in a city situation, uh, people feel like they're, they're making themselves into a mark where they're gonna be hassled by other people or um, threatened by other people. And I think the way around that, it, from what I've learned by talking to police officers, and various folks is the more confident you look with your cane, the less likely that is to happen to you. If you're kind of looking down and groping around and trying to figure out, then they know you're not comfortable with it. And then that makes you more of a target. But mm. um, if you get hurt in the street without your cane, you're SOL. So that's the biggest reason to use it is that drivers know then that even if they don't pay attention to you, which they don't, and we know they don't because no, absolutely, they don't yeah. pay attention to pedestrians at all. There are numerous incidents around the country of pedestrian issues with, with drivers. But if you don't have your cane, you have nothing to uh, prove that you are doing what you're supposed to be doing, where you're supposed to be doing it. So, um, but the interesting thing about that too is the research shows that between a person using a cane and a person walking with a guide dog, which I think would be even more visible. It's not mm -hmm. the case that the cane user is more visible to drivers by about 90%. A guide dog user is like at 39%. And that's kind of scary because yeah. um, you'd think that they would be seen more, but they're not. So use that cane. Yeah. If, if you really, <laughs> And if you need help there, there, I was going to tell you too, there's an ACB affiliate in the Washington DC area. I think it's called old dominion council of the blind. Okay. Um, if you get on the acb.org website, they have a list of, of special interest affiliates with their contact information, their president, their, you know, how to get a hold of them and so forth. And I know you're busy, so I, I understand that you don't do this now, but I have a feeling you're going to want to stay in that part of the country. And if you do, that's a group you might want to know about because um, they, they are involved. Of course, we have uh, people doing legislative work uh, for ACB lobbying and so forth. And uh, Eric Bridges is the CEO now of ACB, and he did work in the government affairs, I think. I, I, I'm I getting old and my brain doesn't hold all this stuff like it used Stop. to. Uh, he's somebody that you might want to know. Um, 
Oh my, there's a bunch of them. Clark Rackville is the governmental affairs person now. And uh, he's a, he's an interesting guy. Uh, all of the convention materials from the past summer, the convention was hybrid. It was in Omaha and it was virtual and uh, in person. And there, all of those meetings, I think, I haven't looked yet, but most of them have been recorded as podcasts on the acbmedia.org site. And so when you have a spare minute, you know, next yeah, absolutely. week, <laughs> whatever it is, you can go and listen to some of those people and kind of get acquainted with them. Um, there, do you do any, uh, do you use any audio, audible materials for your classes or do you primarily read everything with your eyes? Uh, you know, that's a uh, good question. I, uh, I, I kind of do a little bit of a hybrid. Uh, I can, after about like 45 minutes to an hour though of reading, I do, you know, develop yeah. a headache. And uh, so I have, I do an audible subscription and uh, I've used that for textbooks and just for fiction. Uh, a lot of times, yeah. So uh, definitely have become uh, a books on tape person. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we we do too. And, and I have just learned to start using the Kindle apps with Amazon. Yeah. And if you're a Prime member, which I realize funding is tight for everybody, but if you are, they have a whole bunch of free stuff that you can download on Kindle. Um, in every genre you can think of history and mystery and science fiction and governmental affairs and um, so there's there's a lot out there that might interest you do you get anything from what used to be recordings for the blind i think it's called i don't blind allies now blind out i have uh i'm i don't think so they're the largest textbook recording library in the world. So you really ought to know about them. I should. Um, yeah, I should. Yeah. Um, and I, I haven't borrowed anything from them for years, but uh, it used to be that you had to send them books. And if you did that, they would buy one copy of the book and you got stuck with the other copy. But I suspect that a lot of their things now are, are digital. I don't know because I haven't borrowed anything from them mm. for a while. And I can't exactly remember the title of their company. It used to be Recordings for the Blind. I'm sure if you Google that, they would, they'll take you to the right name. But, um, and then of course the library, the Bard Braille Audio Recorded Digital Books Service has quite a bit more uh, historical stuff than they used to have. Um, and uh, the I'm reading a book on um, on my Braille e-reader right now about Alexander Hamilton. That's pretty oh. interesting. Um, and then I guess I I would suggest that there are places in Washington D.C. and around the area that, is, if you're interested in history, are quite interesting, well, like Mount Vernon and uh, the Custis Lee Mansion. I I got to touch the bed in the Ford. Theater, or across from Ford's theater where Abraham Lincoln died. I wasn't supposed to, but there wasn't anybody around. So I, I reached over the thing and touched the bed. Um, and I haven't, I have, I'm ashamed to tell you, I haven't been to Washington, D.C. when we were using cell phones, I don't think, because I, I don't come mm. to the mid-year meetings like I used to. I don't have the stamina to do all the walking that 
is required. And if I'd get in better shape, I probably could do that. But um, if you decide to get involved with our group more, uh, the mid-year meeting is something that is really kind of fun because they have a president's section where the presidents of the affiliates get together. Um, I don't know if they do this virtually or not. I'm, I'm just a little bit out of the loop because I'm not president anymore, but they also then on the last day go to the Hill and talk to the Kansas delegation about mm -hmm. issues that are <clears throat> relevant to blind people. And see, that's right up your alley. You could do that. That's awesome. Yeah. Good at it. So I appreciate it. you're too kind. Yep. Yeah. Well, no, it's, it's, and, and you're there. We wouldn't have to spend any travel money on you. <laughs> so um, I think we'll we'll end this, and I want to thank you very, very much for agreeing to talk to me. I know you're busy. No, I'm, no, don't worry about I it. Was, all. I was a student once, and I know how crazy it can get. And um, I think we've invested our money wisely. It sounds like, and uh, I would point out that we do have a board position that is the end oh okay it kind of it kind of sidled off a little bit but he doesn't want to run for the board but he does want to help us so um thank you cecily and um cindy and joe and i don't know about you guys but i'm ready to call it a night michael do you have anything else the only thing that i would would close the night with is a little bit of empirical data. Uh, it's interesting during the break between our afternoon session and this banquet, why Pat Teasing called us and she was very excited about Mr. Monty Ronti's uh, presentation this afternoon. And one thing that Ann pointed out is that uh, the programs that uh, they're starting at Envision, a lot of them, uh, Monty Ferrante, uh, prefaced his remarks by saying the reason we did this is that the data shows and he obviously researches what works and I wanted to mention that as an O&M guy I've had uh, several particularly young women say well I don't want to carry a white cane because I don't want to look more vulnerable as a blind person and uh, I put the question about uh, that on a uh, listserv with ACB and also one of orientation and mobility professionals. And several people provided me with uh, empirical data where some studies have been done that suggest that, yeah, if you're blind and you're disoriented, you don't look like you know what you're doing or where you're going, you're probably more vulnerable. But if you are a blind person, who is using a cane uh, with confidence and moving through an area and doing so comfortably, the uh, studies that they have done, and I'm not quite sure how they did these uh, because I'm not sure how many uh, robbers and ne'er-do-wells were willing to be interviewed about their nefarious activities, but they found out that those types of folks were less likely to be accosted than just an average sighted uh, Jane Q or John Q citizen going through the same area that, that had everything else in common. So 
what you were saying about uh, the cane actually making a person safer and not more vulnerable has oh, been empirically proven to be true. And with that, I will call this banquet to a close. And I want to thank Anne for all of her work in doing the interview and in helping us find uh, Ashley. I think she was very exciting to listen to. I hope that all of you who listened to our exchange back and forth, if, well, this might work, well, no, that might work. Well, yeah, I haven't tried that and so on, found it to be interesting. As I said, I certainly learned a lot, not only about Ashley, but by a lot of you as well. And I think that learning from each other is a good way to end the evening. So thank you all very much. Thank you for being involved enough with ACB and KABVI to be here. And thank you extremely much to our ACB media people who served us tonight. Uh, Cecily Nipper, who has been with us all day. Cindy Lebon, who was our host this evening. And our quiet streamer, Joe Green. So thank you all very much. And good night. Thank you. We'll see you tomorrow at 10. CST. Thank you. Tomorrow at 10, yes. Good night.